With cases rising in Chicago and the city expecting to receive 33,000 additional vaccine doses, Governor Pritzker declares monkeypox a public health emergency. And I'll talk with Crane's contributor David Manilow about the new series, The Bear, based on a chef who returns to Chicago to run his family's Italian beef joint. How authentic is it? We'll discuss what he says the local restaurant community is saying about the show. You feel like you're in the kitchen with these folks and you feel like they could be all from here, Chicago, although I'm pretty sure none of them are. Ibra, make sandwiches. Don't stop making sandwiches. Yes, sir. I'm going to make three sections, okay? They're going to be wet, hot, and sweet. All right, I'm going to take green tape, make those sections. Louie, yes, I want sir. you to get the sandwiches, put them in the corresponding... I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Wednesday, August 3rd. When it comes to a professional like your doctor or lawyer, you want someone who knows you well. Wintrust believes you should have the same relationship with your banker, someone you can call directly and know they'll understand your concerns. Thousands of local business owners called their Wintrust banker when they needed Paycheck Protection Program loans. They called, Wintrust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. David Manilow is back for our weekly conversation about the business of food in Chicago. And, you know, I feel like no... No conversation that combines both food and business and Chicago and all of those things right now could could avoid talking about the show, The Bear. That is, I think, top of mind for a lot of people with any connection to the restaurant world. Lots of people are calling it the show of the summer on Hulu and FX. My name is Carmen. My, um, my brother's an addict. My, my brother was an addict. And this morning, I am. Um... Sorry, uh, I forgot. Um, b- before I came to Al-Anon, I was a cook. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still a cook. I'm just a different kind of cook, I guess. So I, I am not all the way through it, so we're not going to do any spoilers. I am watching it, though. But essentially, it is the story of this young fine dining chef, and he comes back to Chicago after getting quite a few awards and a lot of recognition, and he runs the family sandwich shop. And the routine of the kitchen was so consistent and exacting and busy and hard and alive, and I lost track of time, and he died. And he left me his restaurant. And over the last couple of months, uh, I've been trying to fix it because it was in rough shape. And I think it's very clear that me trying to fix the restaurant was me trying to fix whatever was happening with my brother. And I don't know, maybe fix the whole family because that restaurant, it has, and it, it does mean a lot to people. It means a lot to me. I just don't know if it ever meant anything to him. So there's kind of this struggle, this inner struggle with himself and 
and the shop and, and he's kind of trying to transform it and, and getting to know the people that he's work, working with and dealing with all of them. It's a really interesting show. It's really beautifully done. If you've ever worked in a restaurant, it will stress you out because it's so accurately done. <laughs> You're like, that's exactly what it feels like to work in a restaurant for sure. So I've talked to some restaurant people, you know, and some can't get past a few of the kind of foibles that they see, which, you know, for instance, you know, there's like, there's maybe too many chefs in this little Italian beef joint. Right? It is pretty overstaffed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are their hours? We can't, how do they get paid? The menu seems to change a lot. There's a Malort billboard for no reason. Right <laughs> Other than like Malort, people, people like the Malort here. There's gangsters in River North. We can't quite understand that. I don't know if we've got to that. That's my issue is that right. River North is, and here's the thing, people outside of Chicago that I've talked to, they're like, oh, right. are we watching the Bears? That's so exciting. I'm like, here's right. the thing. River North is actually quite posh. Right. And, and this show makes it look like late 70s, early 80s, running scared era right. Chicago. Exactly. So there's, so there's a f- also a few strange interludes that maybe you've seen, maybe you haven't gotten all the way through. All that being said, this show is so good. It's it's just so good, and it's it's uh, the juxtaposition in this show, the high and low end food, this kind of majestic Chicago and gritty Chicago because they show a lot of gritty Chicago too. There's a Cubs versus Sox thing. There's a rich and not rich. It's chaotic and calm. There's like old school versus new school, and it's kind of hot and sweet. Just like the peppers you can get on your Italian beef sandwich. <laughs> Nicely done. Well, my first job was McDonald's. You don't get to be creative. You just work with robots and everything's automatic and fast and easy. Or make a mistake again. Yeah, you will. But not because you're you, just because happens. I started a fryer fire. Night after I won Food and Wine's Best New Chef, nearly burned the place down. For real. And this weird thing happens too. You have this minute where you you're watching the fire and you're thinking, if I don't do anything, this place will burn down, and all my anxiety will go away with it. And then you put the fire out. Then you put the fire out. So what's up? You want to be a baby for another minute? You trying to party? <laughs> but it's a great television series if you believe in this such things it's a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes it's beautifully written and directed and it's created by this uh, gentleman named christopher storer who's a park ridge native and he also um grew up with a family who owns mr beef on orleans which is this basically is is at Mr. Beef on Orleans. The, their beef shop is called in the show the original beef of chicagoland but it's basically mr beef um so and and by the way, if you watch the show enough, you will just start calling everyone chef because it's just chef, yes chef, no chef, yes chef. Which is why you do. Yes, and yeah. and and saying corner a lot because they're all in a very intense small environment, and so they're just kind of trying to figure out how to navigate around each other. Also, it's a love letter to Chicago. That's fair. We're out all night. We figured the only place is still open, of course, series. And being 6.45 in the morning, we are right to assume that the place is going to be a ghost town, right? Cousin, was it a ghost town? It was not a ghost town. Not only was it not a ghost town, it was a rager. It was packed. It was just like, right? (laughs) All f***ing Blackhawk fans and cousin who was there. Savvy. Oh, get the f*** out of here. Savvy. Dennis, 
Survivor number 18 in the house. Okay. But not only that, no, 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 it does not stop there. Chelios in Belfort. Let's go. And uh, the actors and the staff worked with the different folks at Smith and the Loyalist, which are two restaurants in Chicago owned by the same uh, folks. But at Kamiko and Oriole, a lot of the fine dining shots you see, which are not at the original people of Chicago, but they're more flashbacks. You'll see the Elskate team in the background of those. Oh, I wondered where those were. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so just a just a lovely show. It's 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 kind of chaotic. It's kind of. It's very chaotic. <laughs> it's very, it's totally well, chaotic. it's in your face and nuanced at the same time. It's just there's yes, some be- it it's beautiful television, uh, and it's one of these shows that uses m- more images to explain things than just lots of words. There's really great imagery in this show oh yeah and even even kind of tight shots on faces that are really telling that convey a lot of what you know sometimes what's not being said is is more powerful than what is being said and i think just kind of a look and these really tight shots on faces that that accomplishes a lot in that show it's 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 a it's a lot about um people evolving too yeah because when he comes back he is changing it from this old school place where his friend Richie kind of is in charge now. Richie, they call each other cuz, but I think they're just really good friends. And Richie is total old school and he wants it to be exactly the same. And Carmi, who is the star chef, uh, comes back and he really wants to turn it into more of a French brigade system, which is a hierarchy. So everyone's to be called chef. Everyone's to wear a blue apron and everything. And he, he is met by a lot of resistance, but there's a huge amount of problem solving, as you'll see. It's only eight episodes. I don't know if you know, it's already, it was released, I believe, in June. It's already gotten picked up for its second season. That's how popular it is. Oh, of course it, it has. People yes. were eating it alive. Of yes, course. eating yeah. it alive. Well said. Yeah. Yes. So it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a really lovely, lovely show. So I'm just going to go through really quick. Um, some of the Chicago references, because I have watched all eight episodes twice. I've watched it once just to enjoy it. And when I first started watching it, by the way, I'm not big into chaos. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can handle this. But then it just gets so good, you can't you can't help yourself. So I'm going to give you some of the references. You've got the young lady who stages, whose name is Sydney. She hands her resume in, and she has worked at Alinea Smoke and Avec. You have three Wilco songs. Wilco is Chicago band. Right. Um, Richie went to DeVry back in the day. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. They talk about Vienna beef. Uh, their uncle Jimmy is also known as Cicero. Yo, why the f are you on the Kennedy? Yeah. <laughs> Chill the f out. Cicero lives in Naperville. No. F- Cicero's in Wilmette now. You got to get on the f and no, eat no, it. That's, that's right. That's right. That's my bad. They they also serve uh, hot dogs there, and and when they said drag them through the garden, I knew that That's they right. had some Chicago street cred, which means you know basically load it. Um, am I allowed to say the word jag off because they use jag off, which is a very yeah. Chicago term Let's say when yes. you're insulting somebody. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with jag off. The, the, the way they use jag off, I'm like, yeah, I'm like I'm all in. Um, one show starts with episode four. Actually, starts with a music video from Rosier's Bakery in Humboldt Park, where um, Marcus, who is kind of like this chef, the fine dining chef wannabe, he wants it so bad, he's trying to learn how to make the perfect donut, so he's out and he's out at Rosier's. Um, there's this very subtle reference. There's a couple of super subtle references. And there's this kind of little Ghostbusters thread. And at one point, Richie just says, R.I.P. Harold. Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. I, I did. I, I had to read, yeah. and it's Harold Ramis, who's from the North Shore, who did Ghostbusters, and I was just, you know, I mean, it's everything from talk about Grant Park and Ed DeBevix. Carmi has a seven seven three tattoo on his arm, yeah. yeah, which I think is great. Um, there's uh, oh, what's her name? Um, uh, Sydney's uh, former catering company is called Sheridan Road Catering. Uh, they they have an entire thing. So this is the thing. These guys are not, you're not talking about Michael Jordan, Oprah, and all the Chicago standard stuff. They're talking about Minnie Minosa, who's a former White Sox player. And they're drinking Sprecher's root beer, which is local from Wisconsin. You know, and they're they're talking about Logan and Wicker and Pilsen and showing Johnny's Beef and Superdog and Pequods and Gene and Jude's. So I've just, to me, is just like as a Chicago guy, I feel like strong Chicago guy. Okay. Hey, guy. Uh, hey, guy. It's just, it's just, it kept me captivated the entire time, along with fabulous food scenes and incredible characters that are very, very layered. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and really, you know, beautiful cinematography too. Beautiful cinematography. They'll be get. I, I'm guessing they're going to be nominated for lots and lots of awards. Oh, I'm sure too. I, I have that feeling. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's easy for a writer from out of town, but even a, a local writer, to just kind of swing for some really easy, like the driest Tinder, right? And mention Oprah and Michael Jordan and all of those things that everybody knows about Chicago and the Blues Brothers and all that. But to but to pull out, you know, other neighborhoods and the fact that the tattoo is a seven seven three, not a three one two, like that matters to me, right? <laughs> that ma- that to me says like we didn't go for the the first play. We 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 stuck around and looked for the deeper conversation. Right. There's uh, you know there's so many things that I used to like. You know, you go on an airplane and you read you read where to go in Chicago, and it's all the, all the same, same places yeah. all over yeah. all over. And one of the reasons, by the way, I started check plays because I'm like just tired just reading about the same places all over let's go and explore and let's find some find some new ones that's what this show does it doesn't give you the it, you could you could pick apart some things in the show and say that's not real and uh, like there's a heavy references on the clock and then you're not even sure what hours they're open so there's things that you can you can nitpick at but um that it was actually the the their consultant was Maddie Matheson, who's kind of a really well-known chef from Toronto, and he has a huge social media following. He does YouTube stuff to kind of keep it very real. He actually had a cameo. He plays Flack, the uh, the kind of fix-it guy, and they liked him so much that he's like in every he's episode. He's a thing now. So, <laughs> he's a thing. He's fabulous. So it's just it's it's a kind of heartwarming, profane. Yeah. Uh, you you know I used to work in live sports. And I know you've worked a lot in the radio, live radio. And a lot of that stuff is just chaotic and just filled with yeah. how do you solve the problem of the day or of, of right the moment. Yeah. Exactly. And so in, in a large part, that's what, what this show is about. It's a, a lot about is just working as a team. This is Carmi's, you know, new family. He's come back. This is his needs. So, and a lot of the show also connects family through food, both at the restaurant and with Carmi's extended family. You even see that in the in the in the first episode even when they have like the family style dinner that the staff members are all kind of sitting there at the table, you suddenly see a little bit of peace happening. And you see a little bit of like we just worked through some chaos, we got all the prep done, we're opening for service soon, but we're going to stop and just have a meal. And you see them bonding. You right. see that right there in the first episode. My favorite moment in the first episode is when the, you know, air, radio air quotes here, cousin Decides to finally try the sandwich. Right. 
and realize like, oh, it's good. Right. I can't, mm, right. I can't yeah. really give him any grief. This is actually very delicious. I, I, I'm not going to stand on my high horse on this one. Right. This guy knows what he's doing. Right. There's a lot of moments like that. And there's a lot of family moments outside of the restaurant with Carmi's family and Mikey's family, you know, who Mikey is, his brother. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful show. And I can't wait for season two. I don't think I'll watch it a third time, but I actually think I could. Are you a rewatcher? I am not a rewatcher. I actually watch it more for this because I want to kind of like rewatch for some of the subtler moments and the Chicago stuff and some resident. There's a, there's a lovely little scene. I think it's in the first episode where Sydney's doing family meal and she's making it out of the little um, plastic containers and um, she's making something with fennel and, and she's kind of elevating cause she is, she's trying to show her chops as well. And I still remember right before she serves it, she wipes it off with a cloth and then she shifts the fennel to 12 o'clock because she wants everything to be served at 12 o'clock because that's what a fine dining chef does. That certain, you know, they want it a certain way and they want it served that way. And I remember those little moments that just kind of show it's very um, genuine. Right. I think I think this is a very authentic show. You feel like you're in the kitchen with these folks and you feel like they could be all from here, Chicago, although I'm pretty sure none of them are. Yeah. And, and you know, to me, the test is when someone not from here is trying to sound like they're from here and they they're laying the accent on too hard and sounding like the right. Bears guys. And and I, <laughs> right, and I exactly. don't hear that. That's not happening in the show. That's yeah. right. Although if you say jag off, you're pretty much you're pretty much just you're, like, you're acting <laughs> Chicagoan at that point. <laughs> yeah, you're you're good. You know, it's there's there's another <laughs> there is a scene where I won't get too but where there is some um there's it's not a violent show in any way. I mean, there's a little bit, uh, but there's a scene where um the original beef gets a, a bullet hole shot into it, and Richie comes out and talks to some of the local the local thugs and he says you 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 know you have to check out where this comes from you might want to check al's okay and i watched it twice and i'm like oh he's talking about al's beef on taylor street like like there's some turf war between the italian beef shops <laughs> and i'm just die laughing so it, this show is listed as a, a comedy or a dramedy right so there are it's a lot of funny moments in it but it's kind of same thing kind of subtle funny moments it's just really really well done yeah and and really smartly done it's it, you know the the funny moments come, there's like a lot of peaks and valleys to it. There's some big like, oh my God moments. And then there's some really very funny moments. So it all kind of, uh, it balances out really well. Yes. it's a, It can be super intense and super serious and also fairly light. Um, I have a couple of Italian beef recommendations in Chicago. Okay. Just why not? Why not? I'm a Johnny's Beef in Elmwood Park guy. I always have been. Uh, I don't live near Elmwood Park, but uh, if you find yourself out there, there's Mr. Beef on Orleans. There's Al's on Taylor. There's a lot of Al's now, but the original ones on Taylor. You got Jay's in Harwood Heights and uh, Tony's on South Pulaski. Those would be the ones that I think you can check out. I'm sure there's lots more where people have there. There's, of course, Portillo's and there's lots of places like that as well. I was going to say, you know, this is another one where we get all the all the listener uh, hate mail because oh no it's this place on this one and you know but that's okay we welcome those i tried to give a little west a little south a little north a little downtown so italian beef is like pizza and everybody's got a really strong opinion about where the best one is can i ask you a question do you when you get an italian beef do you get it a certain way david i hope that you continue speaking to me after what i'm about to say okay, i've only eaten one italian beef in my entire life yeah i don't 
How is that possible? How is that possible? How is that possible? <laughs> and it was only, I moved here in 2001 and I only had an Italian beef maybe in the last, it was right before the pandemic. Really? So, okay, so maybe I can just, I, I like mine. Um, so there's ways for getting Italian beef. You can get it dipped, which means you get it in the sauce, the roll in the sauce. You, and, you can get it, and then you can get it either typically the hot pepper or, or sweet. Hot is usually jardinera. Sweet is just sweet uh, green peppers. Some people do hot and sweet together. Some people do hot or sweet. And some people combine it with a sausage. So I think I've done all of the above. It just depends on my mood. But uh, those are the options. And I do think, I think, by the way, this show is not like a heavy Italian beef show. It's not like all Italian beef no, all the no. time. You're not going to see it really that often. You're going to see some beef sizzling and stuff. But I do think when you finish the bear, I think you owe yourself to go out to get yeah. yourself an Italian beef sandwich. I think you just <laughs> I think do. So. I think I think you, whatever you're finishing it, add 90 minutes so you can drive somewhere and get yourself a beef. That's right. Yeah, that's... I think Promise that's me that. Advice. Promise me that. Oh, you're not talking to everybody right now. You're talking to me. <laughs> I'm talking to you personally. I'm not trying... I'm talking to you personally. I'm not trying to, like, elevate the Italian beef consumption yes, in Chicago, okay. but I am talking Deal. to you that I think you have to do that. And, and to be fair, when I did have the one Italian beef... <laughs> I did try many different ways because I cut it up and I was like, I need to try dipped. I need to try hot and I need to try sweet. And I, I believe I landed it hot and dipped. Hot and dipped is good. Hot and dipped yeah. is good. But uh, I think it's, I think it's time for another. How about that? I think it's time sure. for another. Yeah. And it's, uh, the timing is the time is there. You owe it. You owe it to uh, the folks of the bear and uh, season two. Season two. And, and my own stomach. I, <laughs> and I your own myself. stomach. Exactly. Indeed. Fair enough. Okay, I make that promise to you, David. I appreciate that. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Talk to you next week. You got it. Great seeing you. Coming up, State Farm hits Illinois auto consumers with a price hike yet again. And this one for 8.4% may be the insurer's largest one-time auto increase ever in the state. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Thanks for listening to Crane's Daily Gist. Remember, we provide a daily news brief that drops right in your inbox. It's our newsletter called The Crane's Morning 10. They're the 10 stories that will fuel a smarter workday. To subscribe, visit chicagobusiness.com slash morning 10. This is The Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. Governor J.B. Pritzker has declared monkeypox a public health emergency in Illinois as cases continue to rise. By declaring an emergency, the Illinois Department of Public Health will be able to tap into state and federal funds that will help coordinate across state agencies to address monkeypox, also known as MPV, through expanded vaccine distribution and testing. The emergency declaration is in place for 30 days. The news comes as Chicago expects to receive an additional 33,000 monkeypox vaccines as health officials work to control rising cases amid limited vaccine availability. The Chicago Department of Public Health told Cranes that it placed an order with the federal government Monday morning for an initial batch of over 13,000 doses, which will be distributed over the next few weeks. The agency will be allowed to order and distribute the remaining nearly 20,000 doses after August 15th. Monkeypox, a virus related to smallpox, causes painful lesions on the body and other flu-like symptoms and is most often transmitted through direct contact with a lesion. 
The first confirmed monkeypox case in Chicago was recorded in June, and since then, cases have grown week over week. As of July 28th, there were 330 confirmed cases in the city as they quadrupled during the month of July, according to CDPH data. There are 520 confirmed monkeypox cases across Illinois, the third largest concentration in the country as of July 29th, according to Governor Pritzker's office. Illinois follows New York with more than 1,300 cases and California with around 800 cases. That according to the CDC. Illinois' biggest electric vehicle producer is complaining that pending federal legislation intended to incentivize people to buy electric vehicles would actually hurt it by putting it at a competitive disadvantage. In a statement and an interview, James Chen, president of public policy for Rivian, said the pending climate change bill would give the most breaks to other producers like Tesla and General Motors that have had longer to ramp up production or that do some manufacturing overseas. Rivian, which employs roughly 6,000 workers at its downstate Normal Assembly plant, said in its statement that while Rivian applauds the intention of the pending bill as currently drafted, the legislation will, quote, pull the rug out from consumers considering a purchase of an American-made electric vehicle, adding, quote, the final package must extend the transition period to provide consumer choice and protect good-paying manufacturing jobs here at home. And as for what exactly that's referring to, Crane's political columnist Greg Hines noted that at issue is a $7,500 per vehicle tax credit the federal government now offers those who purchase electric vehicles. The state of Illinois also started offering a credit of up to $4,000, so the combined incentives gives buyers a real reason to go electric. Under the existing law, the credit is available for the first 200,000 vehicles produced by any one manufacturer. Under the pending bill, the 200,000 cap would go away, and instead the incentive would apply only to vehicles priced at under $80,000, including related charges. And the income of the purchaser could be no more than $150,000 a year or twice that for a couple. Hines noted that those provisions may be intended to quiet criticism that incentives are going to wealthy people who don't really need them. But since Rivian is just ramping up production, the company said its costs are higher than Tesla and other companies that have been at it longer. The Rivian official who spoke with Cranes said that as a result, quote, nearly all of our vehicles would be ineligible for incentives, noting that the company is not planning to offer a lower priced model until 2025. As Heinz also pointed out, above and beyond that, all of Rivian's production is in the U.S., with a second assembly plant planned near Atlanta. But the pending legislation just looks at the sales price, which Rivian said favors manufacturers who can come in at lower costs because of foreign production. Rivian told Cranes it's been in contact with Senate leadership and senators from states in which it has interests, Illinois, Michigan, California, and Georgia, to see if the pending bill can be amended to allow startup companies like Rivian to use old rules during a transition period. Hines also reported that the pending bill overall offers huge incentives not only for electric vehicles, but for solar, wind, and other non-carbon energy producers. But it would also mandate new federal leases for offshore oil drilling and offer new incentives for conventional energy producers who store carbon. Under a grant from a foundation founded by a former CBS president, the University of Illinois College of Law is establishing a First Amendment clinic to take on freedom of expression cases and to better train lawyers in the subject. Crane Steve Strahler reported, citing the school's dean, Vikram Amar, that the college already has about half a dozen such clinics in areas like immigration law, veterans' rights, and trademark law, where a practicing lawyer teaching at the law school serves as director. 
The New York-based Stanton Foundation, which is funding this clinic, says it's funded 11 First Amendment clinics with another in the works. It pays out $305,000 per year over five years, plus up to $15,000 for website upgrades and another $5,000 for event costs to each recipient. Another grant recipient, SMU's law school, listed areas its clinics cover, including Freedom of Information Act requests, motions to quash subpoenas directed to journalists, issues related to the right to photograph police officers and other government officials in public, pre-publication review of news articles, representation of witnesses in defamation cases, motions to obtain access to court records, challenges to gag orders, and motions to open courtrooms or to televise proceedings. Find more detail on this story, as well as many others, at chicagobusiness.com. For the third time this year, State Farm is hiking auto insurance rates in Illinois, an 8.4% increase that may be the insurance giant's steepest ever one-time price hike in its home state. Crane's Steve Daniels reported that Bloomington-based State Farm joins other major auto insurers in dramatically increasing rates. The latest will boost the average annual premium by nearly $70, or about $6 a month, according to a filing with the Illinois Department of Insurance. State Farm's three increases combined this year total more than 16 percent and will have raised premiums for roughly a third of drivers in the state by an average of about $127 a year. The latest increase takes effect September 13th. Daniels also reported that Northbrook-based Allstate, the second largest auto insurer in Illinois after State Farm, recently filed to increase average rates by 16 percent. Two double-digit Allstate increases this year add up to nearly 30 percent, or $520 annually. Daniels also noted that GEICO, the fourth largest insurer of Illinois drivers, has put through multiple increases within the past year, bringing up policyholders' premiums by an average of 17 percent, or about $470 annually. That takes effect on August 19th. The reason, as Daniels noted in his reporting, is that auto insurers are struggling to keep up with the costs of settling claims due to a steep rise in used car prices. But the unprecedented pace of the rate hikes also has state regulators pushing back. Daniels reported that state lawmakers are pushing for legislation to give regulators more authority to demand information from insurers on their profits from drivers and to make it public. Unlike most other states, Illinois regulators have virtually no authority over insurers' rates. Find more detailed reporting on this story, as well as many others, at chicagobusiness.com. That's Crane's Daily just for now. Coming up in the next episode, I'll talk with Crane's residential real estate reporter, Dennis Rodkin, about news of the week from the local housing market. In the meantime, please check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to today's guest, Crane's contributor, David Manilow. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.